What's going on, coaches? Uh, had a blast at the Texas High School Coaches Association Clinic uh, this last week. I uh, got to meet a bunch of guys out there. Appreciate you guys stopping me, saying hello. Uh, saw a lot of guys that have been on the podcast, and I also saw a lot of college buddies that I'd played ball with and, and was really, really excited to see and, and catch up with and obviously learned a ton of football. Uh, all the coaches there are very open and was nice to uh, find some spots and, and learn some more ball. So had fun. And, and also, like I said before, that means we're about to get started with some real football. Uh, coaches work week coming up, so can't wait for it. Uh, if you guys need anything, obviously about to get into the season. So uh, make sure you reach out to us now. You can uh, obviously get anything from us all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with the real Emeka Okafor. Coach Okafor played with me at Houston and now is the offensive line coach and run game coordinator and powerlifting coach at Mesquite Poteet High School in Mesquite, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Okafor about his playing days, including, like I said, playing with me uh, at Houston and then playing at Texas Tech, what he learned and gained from playing slash working with so many different offensive line coaches, and some run game. You guys can follow Coach Okafor on Twitter at Mecca World Peace. Hope you guys enjoy. We're 
we're excited, man. We're excited to do this podcast again. Um, everyone else doesn't know this. We've already had this conversation, but um, <laughs> we've already done an episode, and and I just assumed it was it had gone out. I honestly thought I remembered putting it out. It's like one of those Bernstein, Bernstein Bears uh, situations, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought I'd already put it out. You're like, hey, are you going to ever put it out? I was like, I thought I did. I look it up. I'm like, wow, sure as, sure as crap, I, I did not put it out. So I'm like, yeah, we'll put it out this week. And then I go and look and I find the file. Okay, I'm going to put it out. And then then the file's corrupt. Uh, you know, whatever that means, it doesn't work. But um, so uh, we screwed up your for your first one that you did that we did two years ago um, and, and excited we could finally lock this one down. And we won't forget this time. I can promise. I can't promise you that, but I can almost promise you we won't forget it this time, Mac. No, man, I, I feel better about it this time around too. I, I remember what I said a lot of last time. I, like, I sound like an idiot. I was saying some stupid. <laughs> no, of course not. But but we're excited to get you on, man. Obviously, um, you know, and I'll let you again tell your story to us again. But um, excited to talk to a guy that you know, a, a big name in, in my opinion. You know, I guess I don't know many in Texas, but a big name in, in the offensive line and will be a huge name in the offensive line kind of community here in Texas, um, you know, with everywhere that you've played and, and the places you've coached and, and getting to see the, the groups of offensive line that, that you've put out on the field has been awesome. And, and I'm lucky, you know, I was just talking to you on Twitter the other day with you and Josh, I'm kind of just lucky uh, to, to have two sounding boards here in Texas that are such great offensive line coaches, but um excited to get this one recorded man so uh, as you know we've already done it before but uh you know kind of give everyone your backstory obviously we played together at houston um i I got to i'm the one that that locked you in on your recruiting visit now i don't know about that but uh we had we had a blast we had a good time in houston finished it up at texas tech and then and then started coaching but kind of give everyone your background I, i think you were the first first uh collegiate football player out of your high school maybe um uh, or, oh, or maybe man. that first that first group, uh, uh, you know. Again, maybe I'm. It's been a long time now, but kind of give everyone your football background, your football journey, if you will, from playing to coaching, and how that brought you to where you are now. Yeah, man. So uh, let me clear one thing up first off. Played together. I mean, you have been an understatement. Rowdy was my mentor. That's a better way I like to <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, so I uh, met over before. Grew up uh, in Sunnyvale, Texas. Small. Now it's a. Uh, and now I think it's a 4A. Whenever I was in school, it was a 2A school, a little bit east of Dallas. Uh, played for Ben Wright. Uh, then John Sello came in. has been doing a great thing with those kids. Uh, O-line coach was Kale Beard. He just took the job at Detroit, actually, yesterday, which is big for him. Uh, great dude. Coached me. I was the first collegiate football player for my school. Not, not, much, not really saying much. I was the first graduating class, so take that what you will. Uh, don't say that part don't say that part always just (laughs) just leave it with that one man that's a good that's a good starting point we we got we got to crop that out ready come on man yeah uh right after me a couple years down the road uh um marcus came out went to ou doing good things out there but uh out of college or out of high school went signed with u of h course uh got to hang out with rowdy bunch of really great guys really great offensive minds really great offensive line coaches it was blessing or curse, however you want to look at it. Uh, by the time I finished U of H, we had four O-line guys. So that was – it was a lot. A lot to deal with. Uh, it, it, but, sucks. it sucks as a player, kind of. Uh, not kind of. It definitely sucks. Um, but I, I would think that it makes it 
to me, I've always thought it's a blessing in the coaching world. Sucked as a player, kind of a blessing in the coaching world because you get to take everything you love and leave everything you hate. Oh man, absolutely. That and that, that it really is a blessing in that sense. I mean, I I know we had a group, we had a group text not too long ago about this with uh, me, you, Rowdy, and a few of the other old U of H guys, and we we're the other guys that coach, and it was what coach you most like. Like that's that's a good thing to have to think about. We had we pull the relationships from Coach Shaw. You can pull the technique stuff from Ellery. You can pull the relationships and personality and scheme technique from Coach Hayes. It's, it really was kind of a blessing to, in the coaching world to have so many different philosophies and styles and ways to look at, just kind of stand back and look at players and develop them. So it was it was, it was good. It ended up being a good thing in the long run. But Mecca, could I ask you to – I don't know if I've you or Harper either. Like, in your guys' mind as a player, when that happens like four times – are you having to like kind of reinvent yourself uh, or, you know, kind of like, Oh man, I'm starting from scratch, you know, figure out how kind of like, talk a little bit about like the, the relationship and how you kind of have to change as a player. I don't know if I've ever asked either one of you guys that. Yeah, sure. Brad, you want to go first or. No, I'll go second. I, I want to hear what your, what your answer is. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little different for me. Uh, again, I, I got it. I talking to myself. My freshman year, I, because of injury stuff like that, I played as a freshman, so I didn't I didn't actually redshirt. So I got in. I was backup left guard. Uh, played on all special teams. Played in almost every game. Good stuff. So you know that next year we get a new coach. Well, they then again ended up being a blessing. It works out later. I'll explain later. But that second coach, you know, redshirted me. So that happens. Well, next year new coach. That guy has no thumb with me, doesn't really know what I can, can't do. So, I, you know, I had to kind of prove it in a short window between summer workouts, two days, all that. I didn't win a job. Next year, same idea. Another new coach, you know, didn't really get to prove much or do much in a, a lot of time. Uh, so, from my perspective, it's, yeah, it's a whole lot of, well, now I got to rebuild myself. Now I got to reinvent myself. Now I got to show what I can do, you know. And it stinks, but at the end of the day, if you just go out and do what you're supposed to do and, go win, fight, compete, you win that job. I didn't get – I wasn't that fortunate, obviously. I didn't have it, but it ended up working out in the long term for me. Yeah, I don't um, – I never thought of it from that perspective. I guess that's – it's right. I was extremely lucky to have been a starter with each new coach coming in. So I started for the guy that recruited me, and then a new guy would come in, and I was already a starter. Um, and so he had plenty of film on me. The new guys did. Um, and, and yes, you've got to, um, you've got to prove yourself, but at least you've got film out there and he can almost never go wrong with, Hey, let's just keep the guy that was already a starter in there. So I guess I had that going for me. I've never thought about that till now. Um, I had that going for me. I'll tell you what it did at first at first. And maybe Mecca remembers probably not, but, um, every time we lost a coach, it really hurt me. Like, I was always a loyalty guy. Like, hey, we're loyal. We're staying here. The coach is staying here. That's how it goes. I had never had any coach leave in high school. So this is how it goes. I didn't even really like my high school coaches, but they were there, you know. And so I'm in college. The first guy leaves, it pisses me off. Um, second guy leaves, you know, you know, head coach leaves, it really pissed me off. Um, and, and you know, line coach leaves, I'm pissed. New line coach comes in and, and leaves, I'm, I'm kind of pissed. But by the third guy, 
it got to where uh, I kind of started learning, Hey, this really isn't a relationship deal. And as much as people talk about that and, and really that's one of my pet peeves and it shouldn't be, but I think it's just from my experience is I hate when coaches get real into talking about family and they're like, Hey, we're a family. You, you guys are my family. We are a family, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they leave and they say it's, it's cause this is what's better for my family. And I'm like, I thought we were family. That's what, that's what you just, that's what you just told me. I'd much rather someone be straight up, which is, I think why I liked Hayes. I think Hayes from the very beginning, I, I would say he's probably one of my favorite. I, I liked um, um, Shaw a bunch, probably between him and Hayes, but um, I, I liked Hayes a lot, maybe just cause I had two years cause he was a, an assistant for us my first year there, but right, he right. always told it really, really straight. You know, he always told it really, really straight and didn't lie about it and wants to make you good and really cares about you. But also he's kind of in it for him. So I got a little bit jaded, I think, from the whole experience, honestly. I, I like I said, I, I love hearing you guys insight on it. I just think, you know, there's a there's so much I think you can gather from, you know, I, I'm trying to do a better job of it. Just, you know, talking to my to my guys, you know, talking to your players and trying to see things through their eyes, you know, just I think everyone wants to get to know why I think I'll have a better sense of, of why when you know what's going on in their mind and you know how they're thinking, you know, I, I had a pretty good conversation with some kids today, you know, like, Hey, misunderstanding in, in summer conditioning, whatever it might be. But the kids, I think, again, respect you more when you can sit down and have that conversation with them. It's not a one-way deal. Hey man, my way or the highway, uh, it is what it is. If, if you can kind of meet them halfway, they see what I'm thinking. I see what they're thinking and, and there kind of gets to be that, that compromise, but I, I think you, you lose out on so much valuable information. So I, I appreciate both of you guys sharing that. I mean, I'm sitting here writing all this stuff down too, but I think it's valuable, valuable stuff. If you're going to be the kind of coach, I think that you want to be. Well, it definitely is. And, and, you know, the biggest eye opener for me and it was to me was coach Hayes because coach Hayes was probably the guy that, it was easy to like hate him the most. Like oh, he was man. like, if you were going to say like he was the biggest jerk, you would probably say, but like by far of those four, he was the biggest jerk. But then also going back and talking to guys, most guys, he was like their favorite guy, or he was the guy you felt like really went to bat for you or, or actually cared about you, even though he was one of the biggest jerks. Like he was, there was just something about him that I liked so much. And, and even like, you know, going back to Mecca and, and uh, we haven't got to this yet, I guess, in your story yet, Mech, but you were probably one of the last guys I thought would want to go play for coach Hayes, you know, because, because of the way he is, because of how just of a good hearted person you are, not in a bad, like in a great way. Uh, and I always just assumed you and him didn't get along real well. He did red shirt you and kind of all that stuff happened. And then, at the end of it, hey, I want to go play for that guy. I mean, I think there's something about a coach like that. And now I think he had a few stints where um, he wasn't liked by a bunch of his players. I'd like to, you know, kind of know what happened with those deals. But um, I always thought that part was interesting, too. Yeah. So, yeah, now I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, I'll go ahead and go to that part. That, that's my favorite part of this whole story. Yeah. Me and Hayes, <laughs> it was weird because, again, he, yeah, he redshirted me and he, you know, he brought me in the office and said, hey, on a red shirt, she'll be better for you. And I was like, you, you know, I mean, I was 19 years old. This, this guy just showed up trying to tell me what, what's best for me and what's good for me, yeah, whatever. We had it out. We, oh man, he, he, would, he would rip into me for doing dumb stuff or minuscule stuff. And a couple times, and I know you remember this, Rowdy, something 
with a roommate of mine that was not involving me, I got dogged for uh, because I wasn't there to, to stop it. I didn't so, realize that. I didn't know any of that came back on you. No, it wasn't yes, a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal, but it wasn't like, and we don't have to get into it here, but I, I didn't realize, I, I knew that he got in trouble for it uh, by the coaches and got some, but I didn't realize that, that you were uh, a part of any of that. I don't know how you would have been. I, man, I, I, was, I, was, I was in town. I was in Dallas. And I yelled at for not stopping. I told told him, like, hey, coach, I wasn't around. Well, next time you need to be better. And then I, I did my running, and that was the end of it. But, I, that, again, just stuff like that, it was like, what's going on here? It's ridiculous. I'm not even in the, in the dang zip code, and I'm getting in trouble. And, and then at the end of it, when Hayes left, you know, we had uh, LRB and the Shaw, and then I kind of looked back at myself. And was, when, when was I, in a weird way, when was I having the most fun with Hayes? When, when was I, you know, fight, when was I fighting hard? When was I best at technique with Hayes? So, so yeah, so, you know, with the story, we had, you know, four different online coaches, uh, five, I guess. We had five different online coaches. Well, the second coach was uh, Lee Hayes. He was uh, with Rowdy before me, before I got there at U of H. He was an assistant. Uh, by the time we got to the end of my time at U of H, I was, uh, I just graduated. Uh, but I still have one more year left of eligibility. Uh, I look around. Uh, God, Ro- Rowdy's gone. Daniel Spencer's gone. Joey's gone. All those guys are gone. And it's like I'm looking around, and besides my teammates, there's no one left from when I started. Like nobody. So, you know, I kind of I go up, and after one day, it's ah, I, I need to I need to change. I, I need to get I need to get a better situation with myself. And it wasn't even really about playing. It was about getting my master's paid for and taken care of. Uh, uh, the best way I could. So I got my release. I called Hayes, like, hey, man, you, you know anyone that's looking for a broke-down asshole offensive tackle? I literally wasn't even trying to get on at Tech. It was just anywhere. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll call you back in a little bit. We'll figure something out. Call me back about 10 minutes later. Hey, man, we're going to put you on a plane and watch you come play for us. Hey. Wow. I had no idea that's how it, how it happened. Um, and and awesome. I think it's cool. Everyone hears about transfers now, um, but you kind of did it, and, and people were doing it at that time, but you did it at a time when it, it really wasn't the thing to do. And, like, uh, you know, there wasn't – like, guys on the team didn't look at that. Like, I think now everyone sees it and understands it. Like, I would assume it, it really wasn't like that. I remember when Charles left, Charles Sims left, and we were all like, What's going on? That makes no sense. Like it was a weird deal. It it didn't happen often, um, and so you kind of did that, and it was was best for you. But it was a time that I think it, it wasn't as it didn't happen as often, and so I, I'm sure that was kind of a a different deal for you as well. It wasn't as normalized at that point. Yeah, man, it was definitely weird. Like I didn't know there's no one I could really call to do. Like I didn't. Me and Charles, you know, were you know fine, but we weren't close enough to really talk about stuff like that. So it was basically. I don't really remember even who I really talked to to get that whole process done. It was basically, hey, uh, I can't remember the guy at the time. Hey, I want to, I want to transfer. Say, hey, do this, 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 this. Okay, okay where are you gonna go? Great question. Uh, I, I got to figure that part out, but I just know this much. I, I need to change the scenery. And again, luckily, and going back to the whole having five different guys thing, it, it was a, it was a blessing. It worked out well because one of those guys was a guy that. Despite, despite our uh, uh, falling outs at times, the guy that I, I would and st- I was going to and still would to this day run through a dang brick wall for uh, playing for Hayes. And it just kind of looked out. They had some transfers too. 
so they needed some depth in the offensive line. Uh, so they they brought me in. They brought me on the plane. It's funny. Uh, good uh, dude, still a good buddy of mine who's my recruiting host. We were, we were the same age, same graduation year. Uh, we went out on our little recruiting trip. You know how we do, and you go out and do all the stuff and hang out at the bars and whatnot. And about half of the night, I go, "Hey man, you can keep for DM. I'm, I'm gonna go hang out with my friend. I got friends from high school. I'm gonna hang out. Then you're good. You can go." Wait, really? Yeah, dude, I've been I've been in a thousand of these. Don't worry about it. You keep keep twenty bucks. Go go get your gas, and uh, we'll uh, I'll meet you tomorrow in the morning. Sure, man. Yeah. So I hung out with all my good friends from high school for the next six seven hours, and next morning, hey Cliff, uh, I'm in. Where do I sign? So worked <laughs> That's out. Awesome. You didn't get Grandma's cookies though over there at Tech, so no, uh, that needs I, to be known. Can I tell the story? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Let's go. So <laughs> I, I, I'm from, you know, from Sunnyvale. I, it was a two-way school, 70 people in the graduating class. Everyone knew everyone. I was behind the same girl, the same last name, and every graduation to kindergarten. I, I wasn't really exposed to going out and doing all that stuff. So I go down on my recruiting trip to Houston. Right, right is my host, of course. Uh, I walk in the door, Rowdy, in true Rowdy fashion, if you know him. Hey, man, you want a, want a Coors? What are, you, what are you drinking? I go, ah, man, I, I don't really drink. I, I don't, I've never really drank before. He goes, what? <laughs> runs, runs back to the back of the house. I'm thinking, God, this guy's going to like an ass in front of everybody. He's going to flame me in front of everybody. Comes back with the largest gallon sack of cookies you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> hey, man, that's cool, bro. Have some, of, have some of grandma's cookies. What? <laughs> Take them, smash a couple. But I think I've had enough where I can I, I can drink. So really, my real first beer was with Rowdy Harper, which is a story that I'm pretty happy I get to tell people. Man, I so, just it just so happened to be Grandma had sent me a whole care package of of chocolate chip cookies, and and uh, that may that means a lot more to to somebody as as me sharing those cookies, Matt, because I don't really share my food with anybody. So that should have been a a big tell that we needed you there, bad. Man, and that's and it's, it's gonna sound <laughs> stupid, but I'm telling you, that was moment was like, okay, I gotta come, I gotta come play here, I gotta come play with this guy because if this is a guy that has nothing to gain from me being here, and this is the first day I've met met the guy, these are people I want to be around, and even though this day, Rowdy's been you know mentoring me, helped me, and especially with run the run the power of course, just let help me grow as a coach as a person. So, you know, obviously I appreciate you for this, this opportunity. That's kind of for... a cool, that's kind of a cool segue though. Like that, that's what I try to tell kids when they're in the recruiting process, everyone wants to go to like a place where they love the coach. Um, and, and that's great, but there's about a 95% chance that coach isn't going to be there. Head coach, mm-hmm. offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, um, you're going to have to be there, though, for four to five years. Go be around the guys that are going to be in your room. Uh, are those guys awesome? Then then you're going to have a good time no matter what. Um, my other thing would be go somewhere where they give you a bunch of free gear. You know, we, we, oh, yeah. we, had, the, we had the Walmart socks. Go somewhere that you get Nike socks or Under Armour socks for practice. Uh, but the first part would be go somewhere where, where you really, really like that group of, of guys in, in your room because – you're going to be around them all the time. Um, and, and you kind of mentioned it, and you kind of with a throwaway with Cliff, but you had Cliff Kingsbury as your as your head coach. Um, was was Mahomes there at that time as well? You had two or three, like, gigantic big-name quarterbacks as well when you did make the transfer to Tech. So I'm sure, uh, you know, 
obviously you made a good decision. You went and played and were a big part of tech that year, but uh, got to know a lot of big time football names. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, our QB room, besides the fact of having, you know, Cliff obviously coaching him, I had missed out on Baker being there by about three, four months, I think something like that. So whenever I got there, the QB room obviously was, was Pat and was David Webb uh, were two of our, two of our guys. And it was just talk about two human beings with, the greatest football IQ I've probably ever been around besides probably case, obviously uh, case and Greg, both great quarterbacks too, but uh, the best football IQ around Davis and Pat, they're just, they're, it was, even though it was a competition, they're both coaching each other up in a good positive way and just watching them operate and how cerebral they were. I, I mean, I know a lot of it was Cliff and his, in his quarterback development, but goodness gracious, man, I, I've been, I don't, I don't know if, I've, if there's been a luckier human being on earth to be around a bunch of great quarterbacks than me. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's, that's I didn't even think about that. You had Greg and you had, you had Case at Houston too. What are, now all of those guys um, are completely almost different as quarterbacks. I mean, like Case, Case and Greg, completely different quarterbacks, both great quarterbacks. And then obviously Mahomes is a, you know, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback, so he's different than everybody. And then, you know, Webb is, is his own. Were there any now sitting back and looking and looking at those four great ones? And then you had Cliff, who's a great was a great quarterback when he played. Were there any now thinking about it, any similarities or any like anything that like, and I don't mean throwing motion because I know you weren't paying attention to that because I never was um, mm -hmm. or like anything like that. But like in the, if you want to call it huddle or in the locker room or um, out on the field, are there any similarities that you saw between those four or five great quarterbacks? Yeah, man, I'd definitely say, and it, it's relevant because they're coming from the same area, and I think they, they know each other pretty well. Greg and Pat, believe it or not, were very, very similar. Uh, just, you know, command of the huddle type stuff and their leadership styles were, were very, very, very similar. Uh, no one really liked Case, but again, I wasn't in that huddle a whole lot because I was, you know, I was backing everything up, but those two, two almost to a to a T, almost kind of you know similar, similar, almost the same person. Uh, Davis's own very Davis is unique. He's hilarious, man. He he was one of the ones that welcomed me with open arms when I got there. Uh, and then whenever you know Pat and him would trade off ones and two reps, I was with him a lot. And his leadership style is different from those two, but still, just he's he, he'll Davis will jump will jump your ass for lack of a better term and you know, you're not doing right. He knows that's, that's one of the good and slash bad things about Davis being so cerebral. If you screw up, you're, you're supposed to take this step and do this, this, this. How, how the hell do you know that? You're not supposed to be coaching me on this and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely say Pat and Greg were very, very, very similar. Maybe it was the East Texas thing. I don't know. Kind of to the point when, whenever I transferred in, Pat asked like, Hey, you, you play with Greg, right? How's he like? I was like, yeah, he, you know, Greg, Greg's Greg. Greg's tight. He's a good person. Works hard. Hard working dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He, he used to battle back in the day. Oh, cool. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, that's it's so crazy because, you know, with those quarterbacks, there's just something so different. Like, obviously, Case was unbelievable, did all these great things. But, like, the big story that I always remember that always sticks out to me is like, it meant nothing. Maybe no one else remembers it. But to me, it was like, that's when I was like, oh, this is a guy, was – it was like summer seven on seven. Like, you know, no big deal. You go out there, coaches aren't supposed to be out there, but they're on the the watchtower a mile down and binoculars, and you know how that goes. Or oh, back yeah. on the softball stadium, whatever it is. But 
we're going out there seven on seven and we're just kind of snapping and doing our thing. And in case throws a ball and it's supposed to be, you know, no pads, all that. Well, a linebacker or safety, whoever it was, our receiver touches it and they smoke our wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it probably wasn't even that bad, but it's not a thing you do on summer seven on seven. And the biggest story I ever remember, and that's with Case, all of his big trophies and all the games we won. The number one story that sticks out to me is this. The very next play, he gets it, gets calls the play, because he's calling it when he was there. All summer, summer seven on seven, it was all him. He calls a play to make that guy turn around. And, and so calls the play. <laughs> that linebacker just twists his hips, turn around, and beans him right in the back of the head. And then says something to him, and then that guy doesn't do a single thing. I was like, okay, this guy's a dude. Taking up for his guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're scared to even talk to Case. I mean, it was uh, it, it's just crazy some of those things like that. Man, that, that's a quarterback you want on your side. Yeah, you got that kind of swagger and that that command of the room that you yeah you can beat a guy in the head and it's not a benches clearing brawl. It's a yeah yeah he's right. Shouldn't shouldn't have done that crap. I'll do it again. Yeah, that's Case a real one for that. See, my my remembering of is of me being a freshman, him being a six year senior, him pants me on the bus. That's my remembering of things. <laughs> Goodness, <laughs> that's so funny see my move was when anyone tried to do that i just tried to stick my butt in their face you know what i mean hey who wants that okay you're gonna do that i'm gonna put my 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 butt cheeks right in your face um and so it didn't happen to me very often uh because i was if they were gonna get theirs i was gonna get mine too Ain't right <laughs> 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 that's funny um so so obviously you go through you get to play a lot at tech um and and i don't remember how good you guys were that year but um for for me as an onlooker it's a it's a step up you know as mad as hopefully houston fans might get from this especially at that time you're going from houston to to texas tech you took a step up and gained a lot of playing time got to play a lot of football uh, and then you went and got into the the coaching uh, you know, went to go be a football coach. Was that something that you had always wanted to do? I mean, is that something out of high school uh, you knew you wanted to do? Is that like, was your major around going to that? Or is that something that, that you kind of fell into? How did that work? So I always kind of had like a desire to, you know, work with kids or something like that. I did a sociology tech, just because I don't know. I wanted to work with youth or people that were struggling, stuff like that. And then, you know, again, then it's going to, going back to you know like the you like you and other people like that and it was I think back and think all the greatest influences in my life that weren't you know my teammates or my friends were my were my coaches even going back to high school like it, it would be selfish for me not to do that for someone else so I, I kind of finally had the epiphany whenever I left and I you know, was hanging out with Hayes and it was like he said something online you you need to you need to do this this needs to be something that you get into because I think you'd be great for it it's like well that I was already on the fence, but that kind of pushed me to the right side, I think. But ever since then, it's been – man, I, I haven't looked back. I haven't regretted it a day. This is the greatest profession anyone could get into. Well, and, and talk about, you know, um, it's just crazy to me. You go, you get married, and, and I believe your wife's uh, – uh, her dad's a football coach, correct? I mean, she's a – I think she's a, obviously, I think, a track coach. But her dad's a football coach as well. So just a whole a whole family of, of people coaching and, and being around kids and, and – helping them out. And I'm sure he's a, a, you know, I don't know him personally, but I would assume he's a great person to get to lean on and ask questions and, and, you know, help you in that profession. 
Yeah, yeah, man. So I, I lucked out with that one. First off, lucked out with her because she's awesome. She's amazing. We, we grew up around each other and knew each other growing up. And uh, so she uh, threw the distance at OU. She was pretty dang good at it, too. But yeah, her father was, is, and uh, he actually just retired. Her father is an online coach, old, old, longtime guy. And he is easily the, the greatest offensive line mind I know, maybe around you know what i mean he's been doing this for a long time and he's really really dang good at what he does i'm I'm pretty blessed and lucky i actually got to work with him uh my third year doing this uh he, he recruited me and her brought us both on and we both got to work with him so that was a real great blessing i got to learn a whole lot again he great 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 awesome football mind even better offensive line mind and yeah it's it's, it's a family business so uh bill is uh, Bill Foster is, is her father-in-law, her brother, Will Foster. He also offensive line coach. And then mom, Jana, was a longtime trainer. She actually retired a couple of years ago, but it's literally all in the family. And he, Bill got lucky because he got to work with every one of us individually at a different, different spot. So he, uh, that was a good uh, sending him into retirement thing right there. And so then, and then, so then, you know, you move on and, and where are you at now? I kind of, you know, just talking through, you started kind of coaching obviously after tech and, and you worked through how many schools did you work through and, and where does that put you now? What did you start? Were you your assistant offensive line coach your first year or, or kind of, what was that like? Yeah, man, I've been too many places. Man. I, 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 I'm going to stick around here for a while. <laughs> so I started off at uh, West Mesquite, uh, Mesquite, Texas, where I worked under Jeff Neal for two years. I uh, was the assistant offensive line guy with Jeff Kamarmi. He uh, he got out of coaching. He moved out of Texas, but he, again, great, great football mind, great human being. He taught me more about relationships and treating people, treating kids, keeping kids wanting to play hard for you more than anybody probably. Uh, next year, uh, Kamarmi left. I was at West one more year. Had uh, Adam Hole, another great offensive line mind, great motivator, great human being, just another great coach. Blessed a lot of really good guys to work with, and I was, I would, I would say assistant. You ask him right now, he'd say co. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. Uh, after two years at West, I left to go to Heath to work with my father-in-law, Bill Foster, uh, Rockwall Heath. They just made a awesome, awesome, awesome run this past year, losing the fifth, or the yeah the fifth round to Cedar Hill, who played for a state title. Uh, was there with Bill, obviously had a ton of fun, worked hard, played under or worked under Mickey Moss. He retired right after. And then Mike Spradlin came in. Great, great, great guy. Uh, longtime coach, uh, Coach Temple, uh, almost to a state title, hardworking guy, just great football mind. And then I was with uh, John Harrell, good dude, hardworking online guy, real Stephenville guy, so country as hell, uh, hardworking dude. Um, then this past year, amidst COVID, I took over at Poteet for the uh, run game coordinator and head offensive line job. I've been here one year going on to my assistant, weird to say, is uh, Jeff Holmes. He's one of the best in the business. He's a blessing to work with. He's a Poteet guy, so he graduated from here. Taught my wife, actually, so I know it's real fun for him now to deal with that. And uh, yeah, going on year two here and had a ton of fun, man. That's awesome, dude. So what, what was, um, what, if anything, were the big differences is going from being either co or assistant to being the offensive line coach? I mean, was there, you'd been doing offensive line for so long. Was there any nerves you being the guy? Um, did you have a pretty good 
grasp on being able to do that? Obviously, you could you could do it. Your ability was to do it, but you hadn't done it yet. Was was there any nerves with that? And and how was that? You know, your first few years, first year of doing that, um, being the guy, being the one that runs the meeting, being the one that kind of has that that final end decision. Um, how's that been? Uh, it's been it's been a, a little bit of a shock, to be honest with you. So uh, I I, I kind of got a taste of it a couple times at West. Both years, I got a new offensive line guy after that after that one year. So when, when those guys were out and we were looking for a new person, it was I was running the show. I was I was doing spring ball. I was conducting meetings, calling kids, putting up workout plans, individual workout plans, stuff like that. So I got a sample, but it was the whole time was like I'm, I know I'm not going to be the guy in the full time, but I'm going to pretend I am, you know, see what happens. And if I get it, cool. If not, I'm going to keep working my butt off. But the hardest part or the biggest jump for me, I guess, was the scheme part of things. So whenever, you know, whenever you're the assistant offensive line guy, you know, you're working on technique, 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 that's it. Let them handle the scheme and all that. And you have your input, of course. But for the most part, I'm trying to make sure those kids can set right. They can punch right. They can uh, keep a wide base, all that stuff. I moved on here and got the lead job. It was, okay, what do you want to run? Let's, let's run this and this and this and this. Why not this? Throw this on too. And it's all well and good, but I, I, you know, teaching kids nine different schemes isn't very good for the kid. And it took me longer than I, than I like to admit to figure that part out. But once I did, <clears throat> we really kind of broke down and simplified, simplified things so that our kids can play faster, play more confident. And definitely without me confusing them now and put them in a bind, that's for dang sure. You know, I, I think that's an interesting point, and, and I'm excited to hear Walls probably talk about it because he's a lot smarter than this than me. I'm all for, like you've said, hey, let's have a, a you know, now you're, you're like, hey, let's, we're good at this and this, so let's get really, really good at it. Let's not have a whole lot of schemes or maybe not have as many plays so we can get better at these few things. But also when you first come into a situation, not like you've been a coach there six years and you know the kids, you first come into a situation and these are all new kids. That's a tough question for someone to be like, what do you want to run? Because you don't know the kids. Hey, what's, mm -hmm. I don't know what the best and, and maybe looking at them now, they should be uh, a great inside zone team, but then you get to work through spring. And if all you did was decided before spring ball, Hey, we're going to be inside zone team. And then you go and you watch them and, they're terrible at inside zone for a bunch of different reasons, or it's not your tailback's best run or whatever. Now you've got such a small sample size. What are you doing in the summer? Um, and, you know, you don't want to put too many schemes in, but also that first year it's like, hey, can we throw out seven, eight, nine different things and see maybe what we might be good at? And then over the summer start really getting, you know, start honing in on it. And, you know, that's kind of a um, – I know you – I think it's probably everyone's problem, and it's still everyone's problem is wanting to do too much. But there at the beginning, it's really hard not to because you don't know what you're going to be good at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to kind of throw everything at a wall and see what sticks. I, I agree 100%. I think, I, I think you throw as much stuff at them as you can. And, again, I just I, – I'm just evaluating and observing the whole time because I want to see – you know, hey, can we throw the ball? Can we catch the ball? Do we have guys that could do that stuff? You know, what, what do our offensive linemen do really well? Are they great athletes? You know, are they just really tough and physical kids? Um, I think you come into those new situations, if I just pigeonhole it, and, and you'll say, hey, I'm, I'm going to develop you guys into doing this. It might work, but I think you could probably kind of flip the culture or flip things a little bit faster 
doing the stuff that they're really, really good at to begin with. And then, you know, you kind of build your base uh, as you're there for five years. You know, I, I, I know in the places I've been, this has been really the first place where I've been someplace for five or six years. That's kind of how we did it to start with. But now that we've got the program rolling, when our freshmen come in, when our sophomores come in, it's much easier to do a lot of our quote base stuff because they have been doing it. Whereas that first year we didn't have any base stuff, you know, it was, let's take our best athletes, get them on the field and, and win as many games as we possibly can. And I think it's the only way to do it, you know, see, see what they could do. And then you're going to whittle it down from there. Mick, I'm sure too. Um, you know, it's been a, a fun thing for you to start really digging into some of those schemes and, and trying to, to marry that with your offensive coordinator. I think it, I think when, when guys get a, and I think they should get a heavy hand in uh, what you run, uh, you've got to do a great job with the offensive coordinator because it's got to match what he wants to do. You know, I think we had a few years there at Houston where, um, you know, our, our, our quarterbacks coach and our coordinator saw everything out of 10 personnel, but our run game guy or our, or our offensive line coach envisioned all the runs out of 12 personnel or 11 personnel. Well, we don't have a tight end on this team currently. And so mm-hmm. I think that you've got to, it makes it fun saying, okay, well, what's our best personnel? Where do you see us throwing the ball? Okay. Now let's match things um, in the run game to that. And, and it, you know, it, it's like you said, it's difficult at first. And I got lucky to kind of gradually run into that. Um, and you kind of, you know, in one year kind of get thrown into it this year. And, and, but it, it's a fun kind of dance to get into. And, and it, it, if you like your offense coordinator, like I've been lucky to, it really creates kind of a, a cool little bond between those two guys. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so our offense coordinator, uh, Jonathan Simpson, very, very cerebral, very receptive guy. He, uh, he's not one to tell you how oh, I, I know it all. So don't worry about it. it. He asked me questions. He asked me, what do you like? What do you think our kids are good at? And that was, again, I guess if I go back and change my answer, that's also, that was also the toughest part too. Is like, you know, I took this job at the beginning of COVID. So I'm having Zoom calls with kids. I don't know what you look like. Stand up in front of the camera and see how tall you are. Go stand by the oh doorway. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think Man. about that. Yeah, bro. Oh, awesome. no. <laughs> so I'm, I, I go and I meet. I see the kids work out one time. And then I go and meet with uh, Simpson and all those guys one time. And then everything shuts down. So it turns into I, I can't meet with the coaches because I don't have the, uh, the I'm not, I'm, I'm not an employee. So I don't get their emails. So I don't get the Google zooms and all that stuff. They're locked to that thing. So it was basically, okay, let's, I guess we're just going to text or call and go like that, I guess. And same thing with the kids. It was just a, a beat down, but I think if anything that made our relationship stronger, me and Simpson, I think we're, we work well together and I, I love working with the guy and I hopefully, I hopefully say the same, but. Yeah, that, that relationship between the OC and run game, so that's a that's a really underappreciated factor of a successful team. So so I've got a question for you, Matt, because I've never necessarily been on this side of it. Uh, so I've got two questions. Um, my first one is, what did you carry over as an assistant offensive line coach to try to build that relationship or try to make your now assistant or co, however you look at it, doesn't matter, but make the other offensive line coach, make him enjoy his job so you keep that guy. Uh, I got really lucky at Broken Arrow. I had one guy, Coach Broyles, 
we coached the line basically together. Um, you know, he let me talk in meetings and I was, I was, you know, game planning and doing all that a lot more, but, um, I got lucky, tried to throw as much to him as I could because he was good and, and got lucky that he stuck with me the whole, the years there. We had a great relationship. We did a good job. Um, I get the job now at McKinney as tight ends. Our old line coach leaves. So I, I kind of move into that spot. And then our assistant offensive line coach gets another job to go be a head old line coach somewhere. So I'm about to get in a new guy. Um, what are, what are some things that you, as an assistant offensive line coach at once, what are some things that the O-line coach can do to, you know, help that guy out, help him become a better coach, help keep that guy on, um, you know, make his, his life a lot better as an assistant offensive line coach. And all the, all the guys that I really, really liked working for, of course, all of them, but all the ones thing they had in common was they didn't, they took the ego out of it. You know, like, you know, they're your, they're your assistant. I was their assistant, whatever, what have you, but I, you know, I was their equal. It wasn't like a thing where you, you don't get to speak. You go with the B team freshman guys and go work them out. It was, Hey, I need you to go take the tackles. Go do this. Hey, I need you to the tackles. The guards are having a hard time with this. Can you take them and fix it? It wasn't do this simply. It was literally, you know what you're doing. You, we have had these conversations. You know what I want. You know how it should look. Go over there and get it done. In the day, as an assistant, you know, get it done. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to harass that guy. How does this look? What do you? Does this look like how you want to? Is what you're expecting? Da, 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 whatever. But uh, yeah, take if you taking the ego out of it for sure. For sure, makes those guys want to stick around because you know those assistant guys are you know probably going to be youngish, younger, and they're hot, full piss, and just ready to go do and they're looking for that next move up opportunity but the good ones are looking to learn which is something i did from every head guy i had but all those guys were ego free and made my life a lot easier for sure so then my like, other uh, big I'm question oh, go ahead walls i was just gonna say real real quick you know i know in texas obviously i'd, I'd applied and, and interviewed for some jobs down there you know, you're going to have to, you know, do some teaching and then you're, you're usually going to have to coach another sport. You know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things you're having to do in the classroom? What do you teach? And then, you know, what is your other sport and, and how do you kind of find that, you know, does that help you a little bit? Does it hinder you? You know, what do you think in kind of that second sport almost automatically? Yeah, well, so, yeah, we, uh, the way we do it here, you have to have a, a second sport. And up until this point, and again, <laughs> your miles may vary, mine is a little different. I had, I had done shot play, which is great because my wife awesome. did discus. We worked together at two at, at this job and the last job we came from. We were together, so you know the whole football season we'll see each other. She's in volleyball. We're doing our own thing. We don't really see each other till bed, and then now we go from that in the springtime to, hey, what do you want for what do you want for dinner tonight? Uh, we can get this. Okay, I'll pick up on the way home. So it some guys truly truly dislike that second sport here and they just I hate to say it they just don't they don't provide the effort to it because oh it's the second sport it doesn't matter well you're still coaching those kids up like those kids may not all be football players some of those kids may be girls basketball or soccer or baseball and they're looking to you to get developed and coached just like you are and the sooner you you know the sooner that people accept that and the sooner the coaches say go all in on that second sport the better I think personally so, Mac, my kind of big question, and, and I'll be interested in how I do with, with all the second sports stuff. 
Uh, I haven't gotten locked in yet what my second sport is, but um, <laughs> I'll be interested in, uh, like you said, if you're a coach, you care about kids, you'll do a good job, but um, it'll be an interesting because I've never had to do that. Um, but my big question too was, okay, so you're an assistant coach at several places that they lost the offensive line coach. Obviously, I would assume at that point, you're thinking like, hey, I would like to be the offensive line coach. What is it for, for guys out there right now that may be going through that same process? What are some some tips or some things you could give those guys? Like, do you bring it up to your head coach? Uh, was that did you ever interview for a job that you're already there? Um, how, how did how would you um, you know, what what advice would you give to guys in that same situation? Uh, first off, take, take the initiative. Like whenever my guys were at baseball or they had left and taken new jobs or gotten out, as a couple did, as soon as, you know, I, I didn't wait until that point to start coaching, coaching the kids hard. I, you know, I took advantage of those guys are gone. It's not a free day. It's not a slap around period. So we're, we're, we're here to work. Uh, take the initiative for sure. Make sure that head guy knows it because I mean, it's it's a marriage. You and your head guy, you and your staff. It, it literally is being married to fourteen other people. If if my wife is pissed at me, or she brings something up, and, and I don't talk about it, and I don't know about it, I it, I can't blame apathy. I can't say, well, I, I didn't know, so it's not my fault. You know, you gotta you gotta communicate with that head coach. Like, hey, man, I want this. I think it deserves to be me. I I get let me get a tryout. Something. Give me give me a shot. And then from there, handle it. If you get that opportunity, then you better dang well take the uh, take advantage of it to the fullest. And if it doesn't work out, then go back, be your assistant, and learn from the new guy. And should that situation arise again, or should you learn enough and feel like you're ready to move on, okay, cool, move on, go apply for new jobs, or wait for that one that you had, wait for that one head guy to leave, or apply for that and tell a guy you want it again. But uh, initiative helped. I think it helped not only with telling that showing that coach you want it and deserve to have that spot, but also gives you some uh whenever you do get that chair, I think it helps out with you getting, you know, prepared and focused and having your everyday drills ready and having your uh, philosophy and all that stuff ready too. So obviously we we worked for a guy, Coach Hayes, that I would say probably his biggest thing was effort. Um, you know, obviously I think that was pretty well known and and I still use a lot of his things too to to sell effort, which is Hey, you can look a whole lot faster on film if you're giving full effort to the whistle and the defense is given 85%. Now you look just as fast as that five-star defensive end, and you're really not, but you look at <laughs> on film. You know what I mean? That was the same stuff he told us about guy he had at Baylor. Hey, guy he had at Baylor got drafted first round because he gave unbelievable effort, looked really fast, didn't time very fast. Um, so I, I still use a lot of those things that he says. I'm going to assume just because you c- played for him for so long – Effort is a pretty big deal, if not a major deal for you. How do you how do you coach that part of it? How do you work that part of it? Um, how do you get the buy-in for that? Because um, at least in my opinion, that's a huge deal too, because I'm a big, I guess, Hayes disciple, if you will. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm always trying to find ways to, to up that effort level. I, I think it worked out really well with us, you know, me and you and Alex and all those guys, because – intrinsically we like we took that as like a personal challenge you know what i mean and i I think that's why we were so good at the effort thing we were good at running downfield we were good at cleaning up piles we were real good at at, you know like like i said looking fast and running downfield 
because we were so intrinsically motivated. Now, high schoolers, you know, a little bit more difficult. So, and that's another part of the whole relationship process is finding if they're a, a carrot guy or a, or a stick guy. So my kids, I tell them, hey, you sprint downfield, sprint downfield, they do it. It's like they know they're supposed to. And some of the ones that are a little more difficult to preach that to, you got to, you know, break down and explain to them. Hey, if you run downfield, ball pops out, you pick it up, they're going to put you on jump over the truck. Stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, reward those guys. And don't make it a point to bash the kids that don't. So we have our effort chart. We have our offensive line grades. Our effort chart is uh, next to that. And it's how many times, it's not how many times you loaf because you'll see it on film. It's how many times were you picking up the ball carrier? So the way I have my guys do it, the tackles pick up the ball carrier, uh, guards, center, center finds the ball, guards, you know, just kind of clean up behind and run downfield. Well, everyone has that job when practice and practice so that whenever we get to the real thing, it's not, you know, it's not a shock. You know, if one guy doesn't do his job, that's a mark. That's one off. If these guys are putting tremendous maniacal uh, effort into getting downfield and pick up the ball, carry it, quarterback, whatever, that's, you know, a positive. That's, hey, that's one pancake for you. That's one Whataburger coupon for you, you know? So just finding that, finding that intrinsic motivation for them. I think it's a little bit easier to preach and stress that effort. And then obviously just stress it every day, every practice, every second if you can. What does that what does that chart look like? I love that. I've never heard of of kind of having jobs for each position, but I really love it. You talk about having an effort chart. What does that look like? Is that something you just created on like a poster board? Uh, is that something that you guys kind of had made? What is that? Because I, I love being able to post anything we can uh, that does show the effort, that does show pancakes all that stuff. How did you, how'd you go? How'd you work that out? So I, I kind of refined it for my first two years. The first two years I had it, it, uh, and again, this is me trying to, I guess, maintain what the youth of, for lack of a better term. It, it was, it looks like a, you know, the old Madden and the NCAA, like uh rating thing where you had like the 99 speed and uh, yeah. under this and that. So my first year I did that for my kids, gave them all ratings based off, just what they showed in practice, kind of gave them their ratings. And every week when I gave them their grades, if they got a bump to their specific <clears throat> rating. So this guy graded out 95 at a run. Well, last week he was 83 overall for his runs. Well, I'm going to bump him up to 84, 85 now. That's Stuff awesome. like that. And they, they bought into it, those video game likes. They loved it. <clears throat> and I shared it with every one of them so they could all see everyone's stats and it turned into, oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm whooping your ass on this. I got you on run, but I'm better fast. Look, look at my stamina, whatever, what have you. And it kind of policed itself up at that point. And, again, kids loved it. There was accountability because everyone saw it. There was no lies. Uh, film, film took care of it, too, and we kind of went over those rating bumps in film, too. So, you know, everyone got to hear it, too. And uh, since then, I kind of moved on from the Madden thing to uh, they got the same thing, just like a doctor that they all see. But now it's just it's just a literal running count of this game. He got this many. This game, he got this many. And all the kids have it shared with them so they can see it. And, you know, same idea. They're all, I, I hate this game. You have three. You suck. Stuff like that. And a little healthy competition really, really, really helps out with the kids. I think that's a super cool idea. And again, like, I mean, we, we talk, you know, with coach holler, feed the cats, record rank publish. I think anytime you can put a number on it, that, that actually has like a meaning, you know, I, I was, sometimes I get a little bit confused with grading and things like that, but when you, when you add data and you give them numbers and things to chase or levels to chase, 
I, I think the, the focus and the intent for your kids is, is always going to be much, much higher. That's a great idea. I appreciate it, Coach. Mech, running up on an hour, man. Um, thanks again for your, your second hour, even though we're going to only get to put one out. But um, uh, well, same thing I asked you last time, I would assume. Uh, you're watching another team's offensive line. What's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Man, I'm, I'm watching hands. I'm watching feet. I'm watching finish. Those are the, the big ones. Uh, are they striking? Are they placing? Are they punching? And so that's old Hayden. Uh, are they keeping a wide base? Are they stepping on each other's toes? Are they are they putting people down on the ground and making them making them like it? Uh, it if, I, if I see those things out of a O line, I go, I need to get a hold of this guy, this guy, this O line coach, and see what he's teaching them, how he's teaching them, because he's doing something right. And again, those are all obviously the you know easy to see and <clears throat> easy to tell. And are they? Oh, sorry, one more. Are they communicating? Can I can I hear him from the stands? Or can I see him turn point? Call out doubles, call out blitzers, twisters, whatever, what have you. Those those, those things strike me as a really, really well coached off of the line. Hey, do you remember? Um, kind of last thing. Do you remember Hayes? Uh, he would talk about a plumble technique, where you're in pass pro and you start shaking the guy. Shaking I've tried. To, I've tried to get that to catch on with all of my offensive linemen. Everyone <laughs> looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I know it's crazy. I thought it was crazy. But it's so much fun to do. I don't. I loved the f- couple times I got to do that. I loved it, man. So I, <laughs> whatever we do, like some of the stuff that Hayes like taught us. Not just, you know, obviously all the guys, the the college things that we were taught. I usually give them to only my guys that have proven to have a really good understanding of kick and punch and pretty uh, the base stuff. Once you finish six, that base stuff, and you can really get good at you know the advanced stuff, the fun stuff is what I like to call it. But I, I got right. a kid who. He's gonna be he's gonna be good. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore, gonna be a junior now, actually. Hardworking kid, and he's a very literal boy. So I, I taught him the pummel the pummel uh, technique. And said, all right, just punch him and grab his pads and just just, just shake him like you're trying to shake the change out of his pocket. He goes, what? <laughs> like you ever seen the old school bull, like bullies and movies? Just you know, just take your lunch money, just kind of shake him around a little bit. Okay, coach, <laughs> if you say so. He punches him. Sure enough, sure enough, coach. He he shakes him, almost pops the kid's helmet off in practice. <laughs> and it's, it's like, I've never seen it done that well. My goodness. <laughs> you know what? Oh, you man. can't teach. You can't teach anymore. Um, and you couldn't teach it then, but it was my kind of twist on it was I used to like to shake them into my face mask. And so you could put your face mask right underneath <laughs> theirs and shake them into your face mask. And you get like five good head on head strikes. I always thought that really changed the game, but obviously it's not anything I can coach now. Uh, but that was always my go-to move. There, there were quite a few go-to moves. That I remember watching a young Rowdy Harper do and writing them down for later. I never quite perfected them, but I got them sitting <laughs> in a chest somewhere with all my notes. It's like, if I ever get a guy like Rowdy, teach him this. Just all written all down these notes. <laughs> that's great. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. 
Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.